Blog Talk Radio. This is our land. These are our people. The workers. The strivers. The builders. These are our people. Who are they? They are the dark armies. The dark murdering armies whose only honor. making a stand and we're waking everybody up that 9-11 was an inside job and you are the minority you are the cowards who don't know the truth you're the people that serve this evil system you're the people that serve a system that hurts innocent men women and children not just iraqis not just afghans not just africans but the people right here in this nation you serve a new world order that attacks and feeds on you and I'm here to tell you that you will be defeated. Your hours are numbered. We've got the energy. We've got the life force. All you've got is evil backing you up. All you've got is greed and like going to look at yourself in the mirror. Because deep down, the New World Order is a pot-bellied, chicken-necked ninny. And all the armor and all the weapons are nothing. You are nothing compared to good. You are nothing compared to life. And you will be defeated. I want the individuals out there, I want free humanity to turn themselves loose, to cut the chains loose. And to use the end of that chain to slap the new world order right upside the head. You've got the power. You want to know who can defeat the New World Order? It is you. You're the individuals that are going to be able to defeat this system. You're the individuals that are going to be able to take down the New World Order. It doesn't matter if Ron Paul wins. It doesn't matter if they rig the election. What matters is, is that we're starting to stand up. We're starting to move. We're starting to find our legs. We're starting to build our muscles. We're starting to realize that we do have power, and we can work together, and we can take action, and that the naysayers are a pack of weak liars who have never had any successes in their life and who are upset and frustrated to see us beginning to have victories against tyranny. They don't have any respect for themselves. They don't have any vision. And they don't have any will. And they sure don't have any of the power that shines out of God's soul and energizes all life in the universe. They have wed themselves to death. And they will crumble. And they will fall. And for eternity, we wed ourselves to life and to everything good, and everything that flows from it. Can be live here in about five seconds. God saved the Republic. Our fathers appealed to heaven. What did heaven do? Heaven heard. Heaven heard. Our fathers said they would treat all men equal. When they did not, 
heaven saw, heaven saw. Our fathers fought each other and paid a great price. Father Abe kept the union, but not the republic. We forgot the republic and placed our trust in man and suffer oppression. We appeal to heaven. What did heaven do? Heaven heard. Heaven heard. God save the republic. All right, everybody. Joseph Gibson podcasting live here from Greensboro, North Carolina. Hope everybody's doing all right tonight. Tonight we're going to have a guest on the uh, show. And uh, she's going to tell her story on how her son was murdered. I'm going to let her tell it. Uh, it's a, a powerful story, and this just shows the the corruption and the tyranny that we face every single day in America when we walk out our front door. You can get out of your car, be gunned down, killed. And not by just the criminals, by the people there that are supposed to be protecting us, the people that are supposed to be serving us. That's not freedom. That's not liberty. And there sure as hell is no pursuit of happiness. And there's no reason why any mother should lose her son at the hands of a government official or agent or police officer or what have you. And we live in a modern society today with all this technology, a fast-paced society, all this knowledge that we have, and we can't figure these things out still. All these tools, all these, all these uh, gadgets that we have to speed up time to solve all our problems, but yet still the simplest thing cannot be solved. And yet, when an accident does happen, or if it was an accident, or when something does happen that's bad, it's covered up by lies, corruption, money. It's always at the end of the tunnel, because that's what it's all about in the end. And control. It's most importantly, control. Because the power elites, they have the money. They control the money. But they don't have full and total control over us yet. They sure are shaping the world very quickly into that control. So I'm going to bring on my guest here, and I'm going to let her introduce herself, and uh, she's going to tell her story. And uh, I want her to take her time, and just uh, obviously she's lost her son, 25 years old, gone now. And uh, let me see, I'm going to look at the call board here. I want to unmute her, so she's pressed one. Um, You'll hear unmuted, and then can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you just fine. Is there any? I just want to make sure my connection is good because I'm calling from a landline. Yeah, I can hear you fine. So, uh, okay. just uh, there's another number that uh, pressed one also. It's area code five zero three. Is that somebody that's with you or? Not that I know of. Okay, well we'll just let them wait then, and uh, until okay. you tell your story. So you go ahead and introduce yourself. Welcome to the show. Understanding the times in which you live today, and uh, just go ahead and tell your story the best way you know how. And uh, I will not interrupt. My name is Tina Slay Richardson. And first of all, forgive me if I choke up. This is the hardest thing any person should ever have to go through. Um, My son Caleb Slay, 25 years old, was executed in his own front yard November the 2nd, 2020, in Springfield, Missouri. 
And the story I'm going to tell you is a combination of eyewitness accounts along with the DEA task force agents responsible, um, but mainly the eyewitnesses because their accounts, there were four of them, um, and their accounts all uh, align more than the DEA agents. So on, Nove on November the 2nd, um, and this is Springfield, Missouri, Police Department's Joint Task Force. So these are officers that are also employed by the Springfield Police Department, yet sworn into the DEA. So they have a dual purpose. So on November the 2nd, John Stewart and Anthony Gasparoni were called by one of their colleagues, Mittag, who had been surveilling a black SUV, and he was losing them in traffic, so he requested their assistance, and they were unable to find this black SUV. So these three task force officers decided to regroup at a Walmart neighborhood market located at Campbell and Grant in Springfield. And they were in the parking lot talking with each other when John Stewart claims to have seen from across the parking lot, across an alleyway, to an apartment building, he spotted a red Pontiac G6. He saw a, a guy walk up wearing dark colored clothes with a white ball cap to this Pontiac and according to his statement, he witnessed a hand-to-hand -hand drug deal. So he and Gasparoni decide they're going to surveil the Pontiac G6. Medtag was on another assignment and left. So they pursued this Pontiac G6, and I know this is very long, but it's an important part of what happened to my son. Um, and by the time they caught off to this Pontiac G6, the driver was no longer in the vehicle. It was parked at a residence. And for whatever reason, they decided not to sit there and wait. So they returned to the Walmart parking lot. But Stewart decides he's going to, because he thinks the guy in the white ball cap went into an apartment known for drug activity. So he parks closer to the apartments, actually one apartment over, where he has clear sight of that apartment. And he notices a Ford F-150 rented U-Haul pickup truck with someone sitting in it in the parking lot. This person's name is Casey Ray. Casey Ray gets out of the U-Haul, knocks on the apartment door. No one answers. So he goes back to the U-Haul, and he sits down. He goes back to the door a few minutes later, knocks on it, stands there for a few minutes. Stewart claims he doesn't see if the door opens or not. Gasparoni, who's over in the Walmart marketplace, claims that Casey Ray went into the apartment. So right now we have a variation between the two officers. When he gets back into the U-Haul, they decide to follow him and they followed him three miles, 
and turned on South Maryland Avenue. Now, Gasparoni and Stewart are in two separate vehicles. Gasparoni's driving a black caravan and, or sorry, Stewart's driving the black caravan. Gasparoni is driving a silver Dodge Journey. Stewart is following him. He pulls in behind the pickup truck. They are now in my son's neighborhood, parked more so in front of the neighbor than my son's house. Gasparoni is circling around to come from the south to come back up to the north. Stewart gets out, walks over, and decides to do a walk and talk and ask and find out what this guy is doing. He approaches, and he's talking to Casey Ray, and he says, so what are you doing here? And Casey Ray says, well, I'm here to see these guys, and he points. And seven feet away is another vehicle, my son's friend's vehicle, and they were standing by the vehicle. And my son didn't know what was going on. His friend didn't know what was going on. So they decided they're going to go into the house where my son lives. So they're halfway across the yard, about three, four feet from the front door, when Gasparoni pulls up and gets out, and he screams, hey, I need to talk to you. Where do you think you're going? Now understand, no one has identified themselves. Nobody. Caleb has his back to him. And Caleb's response was, I'm going in my fucking house. He doesn't know who's yelling at him. He says, no, man, I need you to come back here. Um, um, Yeah, man, you need to come back here. We need to talk. So Caleb turns around and he comes back, and he notices that this guy is now trying to put on a bulletproof vest. So Caleb stands in an Addy stance with his hands behind his back. And Gasparoni says, dude, I need you to put your hands in front. Like, I don't know if you're wearing a gun or not. And Caleb, being a responsible legal gun owner, having worked eight years head of security for a nightclub, having dealt with law officers, being raised with family members who are law enforcement officers, even going back to college to study to be a law enforcement officer, having taken a safety course on guns, knows the first thing you do is put your hands out front and notify the officer you are wearing a gun. He pulls his hands out, wrists together, palms up, chest high, and says, as a matter of fact, sir, my gun is on my right front waist. And Gasparoni panics. He grabs Caleb's wrist and he screams, gun, gun, gun. And John Stewart drops everything he does and comes running and tackles my son from the left side. Now, if you were standing there and don't know who these people are because they've never identified themselves, what would you do? So Caleb flipped the guy off, and they fall. Backward, awkward, and Caleb lands on Stewart's legs. So Caleb is now on the ground on his back, and Stewart is facing the other direction. His face is facing the other way. So Caleb rolls over, pushes himself up off of the ground, and Gasparoni runs up behind him, draws out his service weapon, puts it to his head, and screams, move, motherfucker, I'm going to kill you, and shot my son twice, point blank in the head. They handcuffed my son, removed, rolled him to the side, removed his weapon and his holster, walked back to the car, and provided no aid to my child. 
The neighbors called 911. The two officers decided they better call their supervisor first before they called 911. And when EMS arrived, they found a pulse on my son and provided no medical care. They never rolled him over. They kept him in the handcuffs face down, found a pulse, and decided my son's injuries were so great he probably wouldn't make it. So instead of transporting my son two streets over to Mercy Hospital, they allowed my son to bleed out, and a doctor from Mercy pronounced him dead over the phone. It's all right. Take your time. So the investigating agency was the Springfield Police Department, headed by Chief Paul Williams. They should have never investigated this. This was their own. There should have been an outside agency investigating. I have photographic proof from an eyewitness that they didn't even bother to interview, that something was removed from the scene with police officers, Springfield police officers standing at my son's feet, that something was removed and something was left behind. And it may not seem like a lot to some people, but it is, it is a crucial piece of evidence that was removed before crime scene was able to get there and take photographs. When the major crimes division got there, violent crimes got there, they were told by Jay Forrester, who is the supervisor on duty for the DEA task force, and a Springfield, another Springfield officer supervisor that they were not allowed to process any evidence from the DEA agents. Now, Joseph, if that was you or me telling the police, I'm sorry, you can't process evidence from my relative. Sorry, I'm not going to let you do that. We would be immediately arrested for interfering with an ongoing active investigation. Instead, they complied, shrugged it off, Gasparoni fled the scene before officers arrived and he came back. Nobody knows why, but he fled. And he felt so sick, he had to be put on a stretcher and taken to the hospital. They sent Stewart to the office. So both of them left the scene and they didn't give a statement. The first statement John Stewart gave was 10 days after my son was murdered and Gasparoni was interviewed 17 days later. They gave one statement each. They weren't questioned again. Gasparoni, in his, his statement, has been involved in an officer-involved shooting. The detective didn't even bother to follow up with that. Um, neither story matches. However, the prosecuting attorney, Dan Patterson of Greene County, who also, by the way, teaches at the police academy how to shoot and get away with it, um, He has never ruled against the police as long as the victim is dead. So they have a history. So they have a history of this. You're saying they have a history that every single time there's they've had what eleven, eleven police shootings where they have murdered people. Uh, Yes. So and and none of them have gone, you know, where they've said, hey, there was something wrong here. You know, uh, he has to be you know punished or arrested or whatnot. None of them. Correct. There was one, um, and coincidentally, the gentleman's last name was Butts. An officer thought he was grabbing his taser and shot Mr. Butts in the butt. 
So he didn't kill him. So he didn't kill him. And because he was a live witness, Dan Patterson had no choice but to prosecute. And Caleb's story is not unique. Springfield, Missouri is the fifth largest, or sorry, fifth most dangerous city in the United States for a city based on its population. And it's run by the Good Old Boys Club. Um, when they came down to tell us, and they didn't tell us, we, my, my parents and I were on scene while Caleb was still breathing because the neighbors called us. And, and what I need everyone to understand is we were involved in this boy's life every single day. There isn't anything that kid did we didn't know. We talked to him daily. We saw him daily. He would come over for dinner. He would come over for lunch. He would just come over, or we would go over there. As a matter of fact, my dad had just been over there an hour before this happened and was going back over there because Caleb had torn his whole car apart. He had a loose speaker wire, and he was trying to find it. Um, So we were on scene. They didn't tell us for nearly two hours. And I asked them to please not release his name for 24 hours because he has an 8-year-old sister at home who knew something happened at her brother's house. And I didn't need her to hear that on the news. And Chief Paul Williams defied the promise that Detective Kelly Patton and Kurt Ringgold of the Springfield Police Department made to me. And in 20 minutes, he released Caleb's name, and it was on the 9 o'clock news. So here we are in shock, and our phones are blowing up because they just released his name to the media. And we... I want to ask you a question real quick. The news media, have they been... I mean, obviously the news media would put pressure on, you know, the prosecutor's office and whatnot. To, uh, Not here. I mean, what? I mean, what, has the news media been friendly to you? Uh, like trying? Like, they, I mean, obviously they can't talk about it every night, but have they done like uh, stories, like lead stories on this? They have done lead stories on this until the case was closed, until Dan Patterson ruled this as justified, and he ruled it justified based on the Terry Law. Okay, that the officers that? feared for their life. Okay, they feared for and, their life. So walking up to somebody, what are you doing? And uh, somebody walking, trying to get into their house, trying to walk up to their house, stopping them from entering their house and, and no telling reason. them to come back and talk to me, fears for their life. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, common sense here. And, and Missouri is an open carry state. So Caleb was a legal, responsible gun owner and was not breaking any law. Caleb has no criminal history and no criminal record. None. Well, it's irrelevant if he was carrying a gun. Carrying a gun should right. not even be even in the conversation. You know, he was as long as Correct. he didn't point it at the police or do anything like that. I mean, then you know, I could see you know altercation. But but you know, carrying a gun that's that's you know that shouldn't even be even taught. That shouldn't even be even in the equation whatsoever because it you know he had it on his side it, and that's it. You know. And and Caleb Caleb's been pulled over for speeding. He's been in a couple of car accidents. He's had enough interaction with police officers to know 
you put your hands up high and you tell them where your gun is so that yeah. you can remove it. Now, Caleb's friend who was with him, um, when detectives wanted to interview him, invoked his right to counsel. They never, ever got a statement from him, ever. But I did. Wow. Because I hired an attorney by 8 a.m. the next morning. And the reason I hired an attorney is because the detective came up to me and asked me if I knew how to get into Caleb's cell phone. And I said, it's got a pattern lock on it. And he said, well, you know, we need to investigate all of this, so we need to be able to get into this phone. And if we can't get into this phone, we have to destroy it. And I knew in that very moment, while my son is still laying on the ground, that there was no way they were going to investigate to the full extent, and I knew they were going to cover it up. And I knew that he just told me he was going to break the law. Why did the, so why, did the, why did the gentleman, when they pulled the first gentleman over, why did he point to your son and then say, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm here to see them? But what, what, that's no crime. I don't get it. There's no, I mean, what's the crime, no crime? You know? That's no crime, and he never mentioned them by name. He just said, I'm going to see them. He could have looked and saw them when he got, you know, when he was pulled over. He just pulled yeah. over. And they could not find any connection between my son and Casey Ray. Now, let's talk about Casey Ray really quickly. Casey Ray had just been released from jail October 29th. And he was under supervision of the court. Was supposed to be on house arrest with an ankle monitor on. Casey Ray walked away from that scene. No valid driver's license. They questioned him and let him go. Now, the U-Haul pickup got impounded, and they found 10 grams of meth in the U-Haul pickup truck underneath his seat. And he did not get arrested. And He never was charged? He was never, never was charged? No. Oh, my Lord. Two days after, two days after this, Casey Ray was involved in a high-speed chase in a stolen vehicle, crashed out, left two people on scene, and fled on foot. From a different agency, at this point it's Green County, that was chasing him. So they finally arrested Casey Ray on December the 5th, I believe. And when they went to arrest him, he rammed a vehicle trying to get away into a deputy's vehicle. Now Casey Ray has made a sweet deal with the prosecutor because he had a litany of charges. And now they're sending him through drug court. And he's getting off with less than five years and drug rehabilitation. And I'm telling you, he had a mile long. And half of those charges have conveniently disappeared. I, Myself wow. and others have followed it. We've taken screenshots. We've paid attention. And guess who the prosecutor is on his case? Dan Patterson. The same prosecutor. Dan Patterson. Same prosecutor. Oh, now, the now, the people in the community, the people in the community, they're not out. I mean, you said neighbors. Everyone saw this. You know, they did lead news, news stories on this. Where's the community at? What's going on here? Why, why aren't they marching in the streets? What's going on? What's, I mean, what seems to be the problem here? I mean, it's obviously so a clear-cut case of murder. It is clear-cut, but we live in the Ozarks. And 
it's more laid back here. Some people like to call it the land before time. Um, we believe in, we believe our politicians tell us the truth. We believe fully 100% in our police department that they would not abuse their power. We believe your word is your bond. Now, granted there was an amazing show last summer with the Black Lives Matter and protest over George Floyd. And the community came out for that. But that's because every community across this country was doing the same thing. They yeah. won't show up in force for any of us. Not like that. Because they've been told a narrative, they believe that narrative, and nobody will investigate it. We live in the headquarters to Bass Pro Shop. We live in a highly tourist area. We are the third largest city in the state of Missouri. The governor, a former sheriff, just touted how Springfield has the fastest growing economy in our state. Businesses come here to launch their businesses. Um, they, they, they try to keep everything negative they can out of the media that this is a great place to live. This well, let's look at this. Let me, let, me interrupt. let me just interrupt you. Let's look at the facts here. Key finding, this is um, uh, uh, according to their police chart here real quick. And i got some callers here, but I want to screen them to make sure who, what they're going to ask because a couple of people might sure. want to make some comments or ask questions, um, but I want to screen them. Um, it's, it's 11 killings by the police there, okay, based on the population. A black person was 2.2 uh, percent likely, and a Latino person was zero uh, x likely to be killed by police. <laughs> there, okay, as a white person. So therefore, obviously, the, the uh, white uh, the whites there are more targeted. Um, uh, you know, so you have 85 civilian complaints of police misconduct. 42 percent were ruled in favor of the citizens. These are not these are, were not the deaths though. The murder, the, mm -hmm. the uh, police—I mean, the police shooting deaths. Um, according to this, 41 uh, Springfield, uh, Missouri ranks 41 percent on the scorecard, which is very, very low. Okay, because um, all the other—we're talking about the entire uh, state here. So mm -hmm. really, and they receive a majority of the money. So yeah. therefore, so we have a problem. So what I'm trying to say is, we have a problem here with police that are abusing their power, that are pushing people around, pulling people over, harassing them, and that's what it appears to be like according to their chart. And people can go to their, go, go look this up, at, uh, their, this chart here. Um, actually, it's the policescorecard.org, uh, Missouri Police Department, Springfield. You can look this up. So they actually even brag about this in a way, I guess. So, uh, you know, um, that's, you know, so that's I, I mean, you know, it's, it's bad. Yeah. See, that's the problem with our chief. Our chief likes awards. He likes pats on the back. He loves to go to city council, and he presents them with charts and numbers, and they don't question him, and they don't look into it. They accept it at face value. And so he can report any numbers he so chooses, and he does, because he brought in this new FBI data reporting and presented it to our city council of, look, we're ahead of the deadline that all law enforcement agencies have to report to the FBI by the end of 2021. The problem with that is you have to provide three years for a baseline. If you go to officer-involved shootings and there are categories even 
for this particular category with Caleb, there's zero. So the chief of police is not in compliance with the FBI, and not one member of the city council questioned it. But you can go to the city of Springfield Police Department's website, and you can look at all of their officer-involved shootings. So where is the reporting in the crime data to the FBI? So he's not in compliance, but he sure likes to pat himself on the back. He is also. No, well, he's not. He's they, but by their own, by their own, their own uh, uh, charts. Actually, you know, they said uh, racial disparities, mm-hmm. and they, they don't name it the fact that it's mainly whites that are murdered. It says racial disparities and deadly force. But I love, I like this one right here: unarmed victims of deadly force per arrest. Mm-hmm. That that's crazy. Why unarmed? If you, uh, it says thirty-four so, percent, but but that, that should be at zero percent, zero unarmed. I mean, come on. So, so get this. So you're going to love this. The first thing that this chief did when he came, and I think it's 12 years he's been here, maybe longer. Do you know that if an officer draws his weapon, they are not required to report that anymore? Do you know wow. that this department is not in compliance with the Brady List, which is a federal mandate? Wow. A Brady List is supposed to be available to anybody. They are non-compliant. And a department in Arizona just paid hefty fines for this. But they receive money now. They receive money now for the, you said, the DEA uh, Joint Task Force. Now they receive extra money for this, this uh, dual uh, policing. Can you explain that a little bit, what this dual dual stuff is, what that means? So So dual is they will have officers that work for the Springfield Police Department, and then they are sworn in to the DEA, and then they also make up this kind of specialty force that the Springfield Police Department then can utilize for other things, like raids, arrest warrants for suspected people. And just to give you an idea of how ridiculous this is, um, if everybody wants to look this up, there was a shooting here a couple of months ago at Come and Go in Springfield, officer-involved shooting. Pull up the pictures because you're going to see the silver Dodge Journey I just told you was on my son's street but driven by Tony Gasparoni. And this was another officer-involved shooting. So the, their narrative is as follows. Their narrative is there was a murder, homicide the day before. They had a person of interest. They had been surveilling him and decided to approach him at a come-and-go where there's civilians. But they also know that he has a warrant for his arrest out of Christian County. Now listen to how familiar this sounds because a civilian recorded them. And all you hear is somebody screaming, gun, 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 and you hear officers unloading their magazines. And a bystander got hit. Now, let's talk about the person of interest in a homicide and the arrest warrant. This was a known gang member, and his warrant was for resisting arrest. So could somebody explain to me why they chose, and this is that little task force I'm talking about that the Springfield utilizes, 
Why did they choose to put civilians in danger and not one solitary person on city council or the mayor of Springfield gives a damn? Yeah. Had one of those bullets hit a five-year-old child, this would be a different conversation. And thankfully, the bystander got shot through the armpit and survived. Wow. Well, I've got, I've got, I've got some individuals here that want to take their. I don't know if this is, I, it's a private caller. I think it's the uh, Sarge here who called into my show. If it's not, I'm going to mute you real fast because I tried screening the call and you didn't answer. So I'm going to unmute him. Go ahead, Sarge. Is this you? Sarge, is that you? No. Okay. I don't know who that is. The private caller that pressed one. Uh, the next private caller is this Sarge? I think it is. How are you doing, All Joe? Right, and, uh, I'm holding my breath, uh, man. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yes, uh, I'd like to. I'd like to thank your guest for coming on the show, and I'd like to express my condolences to her for the loss of her son. I know that no matter what the circumstances, it has to be awful. But I must compliment you, ma'am, on your crispness and your ability to relate fact. Uh, you are very impressive in that regard, and I appreciate you very much. Thank you. It's it's hard. It, it's it's very hard. Um, this has so many other layers, Sarge. Um, there's property missing from my son's house. There's two guns and a, a tablet that just mysteriously disappears, and it's logged in the property room, and out to the side it says lost. And the Mossberg shotgun got sold December the 21st, Dead men can't pound guns, and the Springfield Police Department, under the head of Chief Paul Williams, refuses to investigate it. His response was, sue us, take us to court. Yeah. Uh, now, I, unfortunately, while you were relating your story, I didn't hear much of it, but about the time you mentioned the word Terry, I assume you're relating to... Terry versus Ohio, the, uh, uh, which relates to the authority of a police officer to conduct a stop and frisk. That was the time the Internet was blacking. I don't know if it was Joe's show or my Internet, but I was getting blacked out back and forth. And there were a couple of questions relating to the case I wanted to ask you about. And I don't Absolutely. know if you already covered them or not, so I, I would uh, hope you'll uh, bear with me if I ask you again. Sure. Go right ahead, sir. Okay. Um First of all, regarding, and I also read of your uh, son's uh, incident, incident involving your son. I remember I read about it several months ago. It happened last year, uh, as I understand. And yes. And re reading about that incident, I was struck by the fact that it does not appear that the officers who were in plain clothes did not immediately identify themselves as law enforcement agents, number one. And number two, even though federal agencies have the right to investigate offenses against federal law anywhere in the United States, once a homicide has been committed for whatever reason, then that homicide, the primary duty to investigate the homicide, assuming it's not on a federal reservation of some sort, rests with the local authorities. And I'm, am I to understand that the DEA attempted to take control or direct that investigation okay first of all back to your number one no identification no sir they did not identify themselves and in both of their interviews neither one of them can recall identifying themselves at all 
They admitted that. Tony Gasparoni said, well, I had a vest on that said a police. I assumed he could read. Okay. Um, <laughs> and the Springfield Police Department was in authority of investigating this homicide. But if these are dual officers that are also Springfield officers, it should have been handled by the Missouri Highway Patrol. Right, a local authority. Well, did, correct. Did but DEA, the as far as you know, did they attempt to direct it or control it in any way? So the, so the DEA supervisor, Jay Forrester, refused to allow the Springfield police officers to process any evidence from his agents. And, uh, and that's, and that's did, noted did, in the police... That's noted in the police report by three different officers on scene. Did the Missouri authorities attempt to subpoena that evidence from the federal government? No, the only thing they asked for was the weapon used to kill my son. That's it. There was did no they gun. Receive? They did. They and but neither that... officer was neither officer was tested for gunshot residue. Neither officer was tested for drugs or alcohol. That definitely sounds fishy. Uh, thank you very much for that information. It does cast Absolutely. a different light on things. And finally, uh, when it comes to a Terry stop, now, if I, I was 26 years uh, uh, Illinois State Police Officer in Chicago and Cook County for most of my career, working mm-hmm. most of the time in the streets. And if I'm investigating what I believe or I allege to believe is a hand-to-hand drug sale, I assume the area it occurred was sparsely populated. There weren't many people around. Is that correct? No. The hand-to-hand drug sale? I mean, the area in which the agent alleges that he observed the uh, what he says was criminal in a, activity. In a highly populated area, uh, several apartment complexes and the Walmart marketplace is right there. And, another, and, and what time of day was it? Three around three two thirty three o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. Did anybody just think about getting to Did anybody think I'm about sorry? getting to Walmart? The wall did anybody think about getting the Walmart uh security footage? They have cameras in the parking lots and whatnot or the that plaza getting the security I, footage for Not that I'm aware of. Um my attorney says that that stuff is not pertinent. I disagree. Oh, oh really? Um, <laughs> that, that, yes. that guy's an idiot. <laughs> you know, I mean. Well, there's also traffic cameras in Springfield that the Springfield Police Department records everything on to use later if they need to. Um, I think that's pertinent too. But yeah. I'm a layperson. What do I know? Yeah. Uh, it sounds no, like I you know a lot, and a lot. A lot of people know. Uh, okay, uh, Tina. Uh, another thing I have in mind. I, I, I would like to ask him, boy, this is really starting to intrigue me now. Uh, okay. Uh, so, I'm sorry, I would, let me interrupt I'm going to assume but, for a moment, uh-huh. just for the sake of argument, that mm-hmm. there was justification to conduct a Terry stop. Now, if mm-hmm. there is, there is an obligation incumbent upon the police officers going to do so to immediately let it make clear to the person they are stopping that they are, in fact, law enforcement agents. That's got to be made clear in the best manner they can, using the best tools they have at their disposal. Mm-hmm. And if you're conducting, if you believe you witnessed 
hand hand sale after notifying that now they're going to be obligated to stop and listen to you you tell them immediately you're going to conduct a terrorist stop for your safety you do that right away to ensure they don't have a firearm and to ensure their compliance now were there other witnesses who were able to confirm the dialogue back and forth between your son and these agents yes sir and the police department did not get a statement from him he was less than three feet away this entire incident. He requested... Okay, well, this doesn't, this doesn't he re- smell right. This doesn't smell right at all. Yeah. He requested, really uh, he requested legal counsel, and when asked why, he said, because I fear for my life, what's to prevent you guys from rolling up into my yard and shooting me in the head like you just did my friend? Now, he has given a statement to my attorney, so I know what happened. Yeah. And and by the way, Sarge, did you ever come across any Dyer or Sherville, Indiana officers? Because I have family in that area that wear the badge too. In uh, Sherville, Illinois. Yeah, uh, Indiana. Oh, Indiana. I might have uh, in a in a hot pursuit across state lines, <laughs> but I don't recall uh, knowing any. Yeah, I have a former I have a former brother-in-law retired from there. Um, Gary was kind of his hot spot. Gary, Indiana? Yeah, that's a little bit further south than I normally would have been, because Chicago, most of our pursuits will go from the Dan Ryan Expressway across into Indiana, and uh, wouldn't go as far south as Gary. But right. close now, enough. I do, I do want to clear something up, though. This hand-to-hand drug sale had nothing to do with my son and had nothing to do with the guy that they followed. That was a totally separate incident. Okay, but I, I gotta, promise you, I they're trying, they're trying I'm to sorry, hide I'm sorry. Go ahead, the guy in the white hat. I've got a couple other callers to get on. That, well, I've got 509 sure. next. And they're trying to tie ahead, the guy in the thought. white hat to my son. Mm. So, okay. So, so, thanks yeah. a lot, Steve. I really I'll appreciate your latest. And your, and yeah, your so, relating yeah, of the case is very I think you're a lot better than a lot of lay people involved in this. I really do. Oh, well, thank you, sir. I'll leave your line open, sir. That means a lot. Okay, just let all right, okay. let me go to 509 now, because i got a bunch of people here who want to get on. I recognize this number, so I can trust it. Go ahead, 509. Hey, Joe. It's Eddie. How you doing, man? How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing. I'm listening to this woman's story, and, uh, you know, first I just want to add, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, nobody should have to go through something like that, especially given the circumstances of what happened leading to your son's death. Uh, my My deepest condolences. Uh, however... Uh, this is the third story uh, that I have heard of, this ex- almost exact same thing happening. Um, the first time I heard about it was actually to a dear friend of mine whose son uh, was killed here recently within the last two weeks. Um, no suspects, no nothing, no camera footage, um, ID, driver's license, social security card missing, guns in his house gone and nobody knows anything and then there's another person that this happened to um out here in the west coast and now you you know three times a charm this ain't coincidental no and and i want to point out um in case you aren't aware there is a gentleman his name is david grossman he is the number one trainer for police departments across this country he has required reading for about 90 percent of all law enforcement agencies. This man tries to dehumanize 
the public in the mines. He psychologically sets up these officers, and he tells them, go out, go on the hunt, enjoy the kill, don't be afraid of the kill, and when you kill, go home and have sex with your partner. It'll be the best sex you've ever had in your life. And oh, this wow. is the number Indeed. one trainer in our country. He this was supposed to be in many. Yeah, in, he's, in a, he's a police trainer. Yeah, this, this um, is nothing new to me in, in Missouri because I, I used to live out there for a couple of years. And, and I had a few runs in, run-ins, actually, with the, uh, the Missouri Police Department, uh, where in one night... Uh, they arrested me in front of my uh, my three-year-old daughter and my, my one-year-old son. Um, and then when I told them who I was, because they couldn't find my name on any database, uh, no, no warrants pending anywhere, uh, they charged me with deceiving law enforcement. Um, mm-hmm. Then when they took me to the uh, police station, their sergeant fingerprinted me through the FBI database, and then they got a ping, and they figured out quick who I was. Uh, but that still didn't stop them from drop, dropping the charges. Uh, that mm-hmm. still didn't stop them from the inconvenience uh, that they had given me. They held me for 24 hours. They picked me up at 11 o'clock at night. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't have no shoes, no socks, spare shorts, no shirt, no nothing. Um, took right. me in and uh, released me at 11 p.m. the following day, and and I had to walk all the mm-hmm. way home, good couple of miles from uh, – Blue Springs, Missouri, to Oak, uh, Oak Grove. Oak Grove, up by St. Louis. Yep. So trust me, I, I've had a, I've had a few run-ins with them out there. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's nothing yeah. new to me. They well, David Grossman. Yeah, Dave Grossman. There, uh, the dark vision of killology. You know, uh, he he says right here, are you prepared to kill somebody a day with one of America's most popular police trainers? And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, this guy here, you know, uh, you know, this one person's writing about him marching around the stage in a theater in Lakeport, California. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman tells his audience that they shouldn't go out looking for people to kill because those who need killing the gangbangers, terrorists, and mass murderers will come to them. You know, anyone with that type of attitude, you know, uh, or saying, are you prepared to kill somebody? You know, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, this 60-year-old guy, he's an Army Ranger. He's a former Army Ranger, so he should be ashamed of himself. You know, uh, uh, you know, he, this guy right here is, uh, he, you know, he's a scumbag, obviously. You know, he's a New World Order thug, and that's what they want, to desensitize the police because it's us against them uh, type of mentality right. and that's what it, and the media is uh, portraying it that way too they feed into this with their constant right. news stories of this of this and not telling the truth you know with their narrative and you know right. it's just it's it's total not this is something that the public needs to be made aware of in your case especially needs to be on the forefront of that because justice needs to be served these people uh, need to be uh, prosecuted for murder they murdered your son right they murdered my son. Yeah. They 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 did they did two press releases. Uh, one at nine o'clock, and then one five minutes later, the night he was killed. But, and they, at first, know, and, my and son was the, a suspect. This is the sad that, part. There's not going to be any marches. There's not going to be nope. any protests. There's not going to be any reform. Nothing because your son was the wrong skin color. Imagine well, that. Yeah. That, 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 yes and no, because I'll tell you what, there's another name that I need to familiarize everyone with, and his name is Jalen Goodwin. And Jalen Goodwin, 
is a little bit darker skin than my son, and he didn't deserve to die either. Well, no, no, he's and not saying that they one. deserve to die. What he's saying is, is that, no. for instance, we no. saw what happened with the but, George Floyd but, case. Why isn't your correct. son in Springfield, why isn't this, why isn't your community in Springfield, which I take is mostly white, right? Correct. Um, correct. Are, I mean, the populace there. Why are the, why isn't the community, your next-door neighbors, all, and, and why isn't a shrine built where your son laid there bleeding after he was shot in the head two times, execution style? Why isn't there a shrine there? Right. And why is that not you know, why aren't the neighbors out there every single Saturday or Sunday, whatever, the, you know, whatever have you, marching up and down that street saying, hey, you know, no peace, no uh, no, no justice, no peace, like like the other uh, rallies and whatnot. Right. I'm not trying to there's, criticize there's I'm just saying it's right. You know, what's, what's right? It's, right. Yeah, there's because, nothing it's, to it's stop because, the it's civilians. It's because they don't want to damage our economy. They don't Too want to damage bad. our economy. Get over it. Yeah. yeah. They don't want to yeah. damage our economy, and they trust that what our chief is doing is right, it's good. And if it doesn't directly involve me, then exactly. I don't have to worry about it. Well, That's you know what right. you should do <laughs> yep. to, to remedy that problem? What you should do is you should uh, – and, and this is just an, an option, something to think about – is you should, you should campaign uh, uh, to, for city council or, or mayor or whatever and, and, you know, you and get in front of every camera yeah. that you can and, and well, talk about this and be like, you know, this is just one example – how many more until we say enough? And and you're uh, very well spoken. You're very well spoken. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as, as, as much as I would like to, as much as I would like to, um, when I'm able to, I'm moving the hell out of Springfield. Oh, good, good. They need it. I, I, I can't, then again, I can't stand to, yeah. Here, here's My the other problem is, with that, and and this is also something that that happens more more often than not. Most people don't even think about it. Is when you sue. Um, a state or a government agency or whatever have you, it's not coming out of their pockets and nothing changes. No. It's coming out of the, every single tax dollar that you pay every year yep. is going that towards is correct. that. That is correct. That's why when the chief said, just take us to court and sue us, it, it's so irritating. There is a gun missing. There is a pawn shop that has record. It was in police custody. It's in the report. It shows it. It, the only one that they don't show is the Ruger, but they show the Mossberg, right. they show the tablet, and they show that it was sold. So why what does the Attorney General's that? office say? What has the has the Attorney General's <laughs> office investigated this at all? Has, has they have they gotten no. involved? I mean, no. Wow. So here's so here's what I have done. I have contacted every person that I elected into office. I have contacted right. the attorney general's office who says, oh, I'm sorry. Back. No, they yeah. say, I'm sorry. We can't do anything unless the Springfield Police Department asks us to investigate it or the which governor appoints us to investigate it. Terrible. Which they won't either. Yeah. Contact, Look, I, contact I, the governor. Know, I, what I think we, we can all agree we have a problem with here is police accountability. Look at what's going on with Ashley Babbitt. Absolutely. Well, I think I think that whenever the police kill a citizen, even when it's completely justified, they must be completely accountable for the reason they did it and an explanation as to who the officer was and the officer's reasons as to why the officer did it and why it is justified under both the law 
and police regulation. When right, you don't get that, now, Sarge, you if, are not you getting feel... accountability from the police. And that but is a month. Sarge, with, with the, the person who shot Ashley Babbitt, could clearly see that this was an unarmed woman, right? So if, if you're that afraid for your life over an unarmed woman with a flag around her neck, then maybe, just maybe, because who am I to say this, but just maybe you got no business being a cop in the first place. There you go. There's a whole host of questions to be answered with regard to Ashley Babbitt. But when you can't even find out the most basic information as to who the right. name of the officer who killed her and what was his legal rationale for doing so or not, mm-hmm. then you can't find out anything else. And this is what we're talking about with Ms. Um, uh, 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 Slay's uh, story here. A lack right. of complete accountability by the police for their actions. This is Absolutely. a problem with police agencies, even more so than whether or not they did right or wrong. Because if you can't get accountability, you really can't begin to discover whether, in fact, they did anything right or wrong. So there's but the two question things of it is, Sarge, is this. The main question here is this. Is what she's trying to do here is, look, her son is gone, 25 years old, loss of life, gone, not coming back. The question of it is, is right. we can all agree, okay, there's no accountability here. What's the next step? Where can we well, – how can we bring – and we have to use these cases as poster child children as a, the forefront, well, which they are. You know, no offense I've to I've got anyone, a few but, ideas on, well, on how yeah, to bring me, police accountability. Can I, can I interject really quick? Can I interject yeah, really sure. quick? So my son had four security cameras, four, two of them aimed at his front yard. And they went in and got his DVR, and they turned that DVR over to us pretty freaking quick. Oh, there's nothing on it. There's no footage. Well, I went through well, the DVR. Well, it was a race, probably, yeah. Oh, and it recorded great, and he just got it at the end of September. Mm. So it recorded consistently until October the 14th, and it was motion sensor activation. Right. Not only audio, but video. It's, it's not only video, but audio. Mm-hmm. And um, Jay, give uh, Jay, give your solutions real quick, and then I got six five one two. I want to bring on here. Jay, so it's time. Eddie. Eddie, it's Eddie. Eddie, Eddie. I'm sorry. Wrong <laughs> part. I don't know what's Asshole. going on in my mind. I don't know. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> well, ahead. I mean, I mean quick, just here's here's three of them. Uh, just just my three examples on how how to bring a police accountability. First off. It, you, you set yourself up for failure when you have a state agency investigating a state agency, first of all. That doesn't make sense because if it's one thing we know about government, government employees and state employees, they all watch each other's backs. It's, it's kind of mm-hmm. like getting a doctor to testify in court against another doctor for malpractice. Correct. You know, it doesn't yep. happen often, but when it does, it's very fucking rarely. Um, so I think yeah. there should be – some body that that investigates these these things that aren't state agencies uh, that, because there's no real transparency and there's no oversight. And secondly, one of the biggest things that I believe would bring uh, accountability to law enforcement is whenever there's an officer involved shooting for whatever, uh, they always have a, a union appointed attorney. Well, first off, that needs to go away. Because if you're paying for it out of your own pocket to prepare your own legal defense, I guarantee mm-hmm. you're less likely to pull some bullshit. Yeah, true. They need to end qualified immunity. 
qualified right. immunity and, needs to go. And Joe knows me on qualified immunity. I say it here. You know, if we want cops uh, to have their qualified immunity done away with, I think the next step is politicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, term limits. We we need yep. to have ter- we need to have the Terry stop reversed, and we need to have qualified immunity to end flat out across right, the board. Right, because this your your type of situation is not something that should happen. Period. No. <laughs> no. Well, he was where in does his it own stop? front yard. Where do, when does it stop? You know, how many more cases do we have to hear about like this? I mean, this is a loss of right. life. You know, and, and, mm-hmm. and what next? A five-year-old girl? Like, I mean, what happens then? And when that happens, right. and the same corruption. Yeah, what, well, is gonna, you, what is it going to take yeah. for the city of Springfield to wake up? Because that's well, where we're heading. Yeah. We're heading to the fact where there's going to be children that's going to be next. Well, far be it for me to to put this suggestion out there, but, uh, you know, usually towns, news, and government and law enforcement agencies tend to really listen uh, when Nazis come around. Just putting that out there. Just saying. They tend to listen when national media and people from outside of the area shine a huge spotlight. And let me tell you how corrupt this is. Yeah, outside influences. Well, that that makes a good question. People marching in the streets there that are from out of the area and start recruiting and saying, hey, enough is enough. And that's a threat to their power structure. And then you have a different voice out there that's not the same narrative as what everyone is used to. Then they get them out of their comfort zone, you see? Correct. And that's maybe what we need. Because the good old boys club then can't protect them because that's what they're relying on right now. It's the good old boys club here. So you have to bring in a bigger good old boys club. Yeah, let me Um, go to 651. to give you an idea, Hang on, I got 651, ma'am. Hang on one second, just real quick. I got 651 sure. that's waiting a long time. I think I know who this is. Okay. Go ahead, 651. Hello, Joe. Thanks for listening and taking my call. Um, Caleb was my nephew. Tina is my sister. Okay. Um, oh, okay. And Thank I, you. Thank you for joining us, Tina. I appreciate it. Yes, and I appreciate you having her on here because since this has happened, nobody has listened to any of us and all the calls that we have made. And all the pleas that we have deemed, no one. I was a city administrator. I live in Minnesota where George Floyd is big and proud around here. Um, and I've been a, minis- a city administrator for some 18 years. There's some real issues that I have that I think that you all need to be aware of um, that, that hasn't been spoke of tonight. And, and besides the fact that the city of Springfield is incredibly scared, they're scared of what's going to happen to them if they stand up. They're scared that they're going to be victimize themselves or god forbid their comfortable little pissed off worlds are going to be interrupted um the fact of the matter is the chief of police should be investigated for this because he's been nothing but an asshole through this whole thing he has not complied with any state or federal laws they tell us that after this happened we should file with internal affairs well newsflash the head of internal affairs is none other than the chief of police himself now, it's not legal to hold dual offices. We all know that, so why does he? Not only that, but he's got a citizen's group that oversees the police activity that's supposed to watch the police and, and go over these things. And guess what again? Mr. Williams is the one that, that hires and, and appoints the people on the citizen's committee group. And it goes on and, and he decides on what, what they can And he decides what case they can review. Correct. Which is wrong. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's a no-win situation from the start. 
there's a joint task force here that the federal that the feds are in with the city of Springfield. There's millions of dollars given into the city budgets for the city of Springfield. That's the issue here. There's nowhere in their budgets can I find where that money is coming in or where it goes out. It is hidden somewhere in their budgets and it's not talked about. The city of Springfield, again, the people need to stand up and ask these questions. If this is a joint task force, why is it not discussed in any city government business? None that I can find in any of the past council minutes or any of the meetings, and definitely not in their million dollar budgets. Now, police officers are not paid well in this country. We all know that for what they have to do. And I sympathize and I back the boys in blue. Being a city administrator, I've worked with several of them, and their job is difficult from the gate. But when you've got the good old boys network like this, and you've got hidden monies, and you've got a chief of police that heads all these various groups that protects his ass, you've got a real problem in your city. Um, they don't take any calls from me because I'm from out of state. It's none of my business. It is my business because it's no one else seems to be bringing this stuff to light. Um, you know, when you when you when you think about what happened to my nephew, it, it, it physically makes me sick. One of the one of the biggest problems that I have is the day that, that this happened. Um, my sister was not even allowed anywhere near her son as he laid there for some seven hours in his front yard uncovered. My sister was not even allowed to even touch the coroner's vehicle as they loaded him into it. My sister's family did not even get his body back until the end of December. Um, and none of his personal effects until that time. The coroner himself deemed this a homicide. In Mr. Gasparoni's own testimony, which I, I viewed and I watched, he states that he was several feet away from my nephew when he shot. Then why, tell me why, was there powder burns on the back of this young man's head? I don't understand. What I would do, ma'am? Ma you know what I would do? I w this is what I would do, okay? I would go and I would file the process for a criminal complaint, okay? And in that jurisdiction, I'd file the criminal complaint to the court for an application and an affidavit of probable cause for an arrest warrant for that police chief and the individuals that murdered her son. And I would bring that with the media there, and I would tell the media what I'm doing, and, and or a local newspaper, what have you, with that complaint, and bring it to a judge. Get a judge that's walking outside of the courthouse. Get a magistrate in that area. Bring it and put the cameras on them and say, you're going to sign this arrest warrant or not? Here is the affidavit. Here's the sworn facts. Here's the probable cause. And I swear to this under oath. And 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 you and you under law USC two forty one two forty three can do that okay and you bring that and you can do it federal or state and that, and let them tell you you can't and you know what when that happens guess what none of us none of us here in America have any rights and that should be and these people could just murder us walk all over us pull us over beat us up and it doesn't matter if you burn down every Dollar General and across America because none of it matters all they're going to do is create us to fight with each other I would do that because it murder, this is a murder, and, and from the facts, if, uh, which I believe the, these are the facts, uh, the mother is telling here and you're telling, ma'am, is that this has to be brought forward. And these people need to be held accountable because when one is held accountable, the domino effect happens, and then you have checks and balances. You have to check tyranny all the time, all the time you have to check tyranny, otherwise it will spread wild. And, and that's what the founders, even in this country, warned us. You know, every generation needs a revolution. And, uh, you know, there's just no place for this tyranny. It's ridiculous. And, and we have to learn from our founders' quotes. 
You know, the tree of liberty and, and, must be refreshed from the time time of blood of patriots and tyrants. It's simple as that. And, but we can do yeah. it lawfully. Joseph, you can do Joseph, it lawfully. If I did, Joseph, if I do that, not one of our local media will show up. No, because that's I'm the going against here. the police. I'm going against the police department, and yeah. there won't be a judge here that will sign it because they're worse than the police department. Well, then you convene your own de jour grant. You create an assembly like what what Eddie said there, running for council yeah. and whatnot. That's the step of it. You can create your own assembly of citizens that I'm sure people agree with you in the community, and you can create your yeah, own you know, grand jury and indict the bastards, you know, because yeah. you can do that. You know, and, and submit it. To, and if the United States government itself, corporation, doesn't want to acknowledge it, then you take it to the next level. You take it to an international court. Right. Because this is murder. This is crimes. This is a this human is violation. This is a human rights violation. So we you have, know, I, I we have, have to people. Agree with you. I have to agree with you, Joseph, when you said that, I'm sorry, my nephew was not of the right color. Um, being that I live in yeah. Minnesota and I have followed the George Floyd case very, you can't help but follow it here in Minnesota. Um, had my nephew been of, of a different race, this may be a completely different story. Um, but you yeah. heard very, I heard nothing about this here at all, anywhere. I had to go on the internet. I had to go on to find the, the newscast of this, and they were very brief. Um, you know, and, and, and the DA's office never even contacted my sister or her family when they were making the, the decision that this was justifiable. She had to hear about it from the goddamn news. They never even called the to warn her that that's, or to let her know that the, that the decision was made that they felt it was justifiable. Now, Which if is you were to protocol. all of the evidence and all of the paperwork and everything that we have accumulated since this happened, and I have to give my sister, the, I have the most respect for her, because there's days this woman has a hard time even holding herself up. Um, oh, I can only imagine. She has yeah. been diligent about this, and it's, we need to get the word out there that she can't. She can't do this alone. We need help. Um, um, the fact that that you are having us on here tonight is is a start. Um, yeah. Because people, we got to get them out of their comfort zone. We got to get them out of the house to say, you know what, this is wrong. Because the witness accounts, the witnesses have even contacted her to say that those, the testimonies that that they have that have been recorded are not what they spoke of. Um, but they, they fade with... into the background. You right. know, they're scared. It's the only thing that I can think of. They're scared. And, you know, if I lived down there, I think I would be too because my sister has been harassed since this has happened. She has had been, she's had to take things off the Internet because there's fake Internet accounts, Facebook accounts of people that I know are police. You know, you, you know they're police mm -hmm. that are created to, to harass her and bring her down. I mean, and I know how, I know how it happens. They wear you down where you've spent all of your last dollars trying to fight this, your last energies. I get why people kill people, and I get why people help people get killed, because there's, they get you so worn down that you just finally either walk away because you have nothing left, or you just get pissed. And I'm pissed. And, yeah, and that's well, well, what they need to do. The rules are there for everybody. You see, that's the problem is we as citizens, we, we get into that comfort zone, like you said, and I said earlier, is that the rules are there. The federal rules of civil procedure are there for criminal procedure, too. Just because what? These people are not gods. They don't get to use the rules, and we don't. You can use and file the same documents they file to go after them. And like I said, mm -hmm. if they want to ignore it, we, we the people are, are, the, are the government. We still have the power. It's what we give it away because of our lack of apathy, because we don't stand up for what we what is right 
you know. And I understand there's a lot of corruption, in there, and you just said it, fake Internet posts, fake profiles, whatnot. And the, listen, just don't pay attention to that. Stay focused like a laser beam on the problem itself and stay on course to do it because that's what I always say, and, and people can say, even Eddie can say that, where I've been on podcast shows, and I say the law is still there. The law can be used in our favor if we just, and nobody has to be a damn lawyer to figure it out. It's not that hard. It's true. Like, I can, you know, we can figure that. out these dumb phones in our pocket. You know, we can figure out this stuff. You know, I mean, it's, so it's, Joseph, it's I want to, I want to blow, I want to blow everybody's mind right now. I, I really do. Yeah. Um, I told you that the DVR had nothing on it. Well, if the police department had bothered to interview Caleb's friend, they would have found out that he didn't use his DVR anymore. That video sits on this phone. So, so and there's I have the actual video of what happened is on that phone, you're saying. And, yeah. I and that's cannot, why they said and they I need cannot access act- or they'll destroy it. They need to cover uh, yeah. their asses. This is what they do. Well, I have the phone. They no we longer have the it. Phone. I, we can't get in the phone. Oh, just wait. They'll, they'll get it. They'll get it. They'll, they'll file, you know, a subpoena um, uh, for a search. No, they returned it to her. They returned it to her. They returned it to her. I have it. They made a mistake. Oh, that's mighty nice. Criminals make mistakes, and these people are criminals. We just cannot get in the phone. Google will not help us. get in the phone. It's a Samsung S9 with a pattern lock on it. It's a Samsung S9 Oh, there's ways to get around that. All you got to do is um, go on YouTube, use use a different search engine, because I'm going to give you guys some uh, some tricks to the trade here. <laughs> I've tried those um, tricks to the trade, and what happened No, 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 listen, ma'am, ma'am he, this, this gentleman yeah. actually, I know who this is, actually, and he does actually is very knowledgeable in this type of uh, okay. field. Okay. So. I, I, I have done this before, and, and it's worked fine for me. I've come across phones that either have uh, a four-digit, you know, uh, pin code, mm-hmm. or the type where you got to swipe and make a pattern. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. all you need is, is a computer, a cell phone mm-hmm. charging cord plugged in the USB port of the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll find uh, the software and I'll send it to you, Joe, as a text, and then you can okay. forward it to these ladies on how to operate it, and it'll completely bypass the security lock. Is it for ADB? For side load because it shuts uh, the door and won't let me pass. I no, don't know if I, I don't think it's for that. I don't think it's that. I, I don't know if he rooted this phone. See, that's my big issue. Uh-huh. Caleb, Caleb did some stuff to this phone. He modified it. Uh, he jailbroke it. Possibly. Now, um, I can tell you that on social media posts mm-hmm. that people – talked about seeing this video um, on news media posts. And the police wow. department even went so far as to contact one person, and she says, oh, I made a mistake. But on the same thread, there was another person, and they didn't contact her. So I dug into this lady. Turns out this lady's daughter works for the Springfield Police Department. <laughs> Go figure, So you right? tell me where she saw a video. Yeah. And then to boot, somebody that I've known since I was five years old, tells another mutual friend that I've known since I was five about the video. And turns out his brother, a school resource officer, uh, has ties to the Springfield Police Department, and he described in detail to my parents over the phone Uh what he saw in this video, and it was details that we had never released to anybody. He described it perfectly. So tell me where is this video? 
If the Springfield Police Department don't have it, how are all these people? And everybody, and real quick for the callers that are out there, because I do see a number of them pounding out the board. You have to press number one to to let me know that you want to speak. So you press one, and then I'll get you on here. Uh, uh, and the phone number is six five seven three eight three zero six one six. As so the show winds just, down, it, though, it here. Should bother, it should bother the citizens of Springfield not only the murder of my son, but the fact that guns go into our evidence locker and they go missing and then end up either in criminals' hands or at a pawn shop, and the police department refuses to do their job to investigate to retrieve said items. That should be a big telling situation right there, and why nobody in my town seems to give a damn is beyond me. Well, with the the legal advice that uh, Joe gave you just a few minutes ago, I I will say this, and and, and Joe can agree with what I'm about to say. It's not very often that me and uh, Joe agree on many things, Uh, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I do agree with him because if you do what he says and and they they tell you no – and they block you access, then then he's absolutely right. We we have no fucking freedoms whatsoever. It's an illusion, and, and right. now you've got to deal with it. Welcome to socialism. This is what mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. If right. I could make a quick yeah. comment referring back to the yeah, sure, telephone. Yeah, sure, go ahead. I'm going to give every, actually, I'm going to give everyone a, a few minutes at the end, uh, a, a bit here to uh, give their final thoughts okay. to the podcast uh, that, that call in. But go ahead, ma'am, go ahead. This will be my final thought. We have, Tina's tried everything to get into this phone, and as you know, um, when you do these kind of things, there are so many chances that you get before the phone blocks you out completely and erases the data. We've got about three chances left, so we don't have any room for error on this. We need to get into this phone um, before, before it resets itself and we lose what's on there. So we have to be very, very careful because the new mm-hmm. Galaxy security systems are just phenomenal and they're really hard to break. And if he rooted this phone, we've only got a few chances left before we lose it. So if there's really a way to get into this phone, just keep in mind that we're running out of chances here. Right. Gotcha. And it's just crucial. Um, real quick, yeah, real quick, but I don't know if that's necessarily true, though. I think, I don't know. I remember I was talking to somebody who was very knowledgeable in computers, and I think it's just like with the, you know, you could take a hammer to the darn thing, and still that information will always be there. There's always a way to retrieve. I don't know if there's some sort of footprint or some sort of digital footprint that where it's always there no matter what. I don't know. It's kind of like a DNA, you know, your DNA. You know, it's there, you know, no matter how long you're dead for. You know, it's there. So I'm not 100% sure on that. But uh, if, if, if anybody's out there that's knowledgeable in technology or computers, maybe they can give their opinion on that real quick. I'd appreciate it. But I'm going to get to the, uh, I, you know, yeah, closing thoughts to tonight's podcast. Um, I, of course, at the, at the end, I'll let the, you know, uh, the mother here tell, you know, reiterate everything again, her points, and, and what she wants to see done as, as justice. Because obviously nothing's going to bring her son back. I mean, that's, and that's why how precious life is. You know, it's, it's once the life is gone, it's gone, and we're not going to get it back. Uh, um, Eddie, you want to say something? See, I think I see Sarge back pop back on there. Eddie, you want to say a few things here real quick? Take your time. Sure. Um, thank you. Uh, again, you know, if if I uh, when I find this information on how to bypass the security features, I'm going to send it to Joe, and uh, Joe, I'll forward it to you. And hopefully, you know, what I can find to help will help you guys uh, because I feel like if you, if you can access that, that footage in that cell phone, then, then you've got them by the fucking balls. And right. uh, that's the first step to accountability, in my opinion. 
I am sorry for your loss. Uh, things like this should never happen. Unfortunately, no. they do. And, uh, you know, it, it, this is just completely messed up. Shouldn't happen. Thank you. Thanks, Eddie. I appreciate the call here tonight. I appreciate you listening. Uh, and you did give some knowledge to the platform here tonight. So thank you for your uh, uh, input. I appreciate it. Thank you. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Um, I'm going to go to Sarge now. Sarge, I think Sarge, and then I'll go up the line here. Um, uh, 651, you can go after Sarge. Go ahead, uh, Sarge. I think this is Sarge. I hope it is. If it's not, you better say Sarge. Go ahead, Sarge, is that you? Yeah. Uh, your wish is my command. <laughs> I, I recognize the uh, giggle and laugh there. <laughs> go ahead, man. You got the floor. Yeah, look, uh, I you know I'm having internet troubles. I blacked out after um, the uh, the lady said we should end Terry stop. So I just got back on. I missed everything in between. But I would just like to say that um, your your son, madam, your son has. I'm very impressed by your cogency and your focus. Your son, even though he's departed, he's got a worthy advocate in you, and you present your case very well. Uh, but. Thank you. Um, but, uh, I, you know, um, I understand the need for uh, many reforms in police work, and I, I, I certainly hope many of the ones that are done are, are in fact, done. But the one I think that is most crucial is police accountability. That must be absolute. Anytime the police injure or particularly when they kill a citizen, even if it's justified, they must be prepared to offer a thorough explanation and as to why it is or is not consonant with the law, with morality, with ethics, and with police regulations. I mean, it doesn't Absolutely. sound to me like in the case of your son that this was done at all, and I certainly hope you do get the accountability that you seek. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sarge. And I want to say this to everyone that's listening here tonight, to put this on the record here, the local news media outlets out there, you know, the media has the power to shed light on this and reopen in any case. They're not bound by anything. You know, you guys should call the local news media. I mean, one of the news stations down there, 573-896-4534. And then another one is 573-896-5144. Those are the TV stations in that uh, area there in Springfield, uh, Missouri. That's that's Um, actually Jefferson City. That's Jefferson City. Um, Let me get you color 10. Um, yeah, please because that's put that local. number out there, and people need to call and say, "Hey, I heard about this story, and I'm outraged." No matter where you live in the world, I know we're in 21 countries right now. You should call this news outlet and say, "Hey, what the hell is going on here? This is this is this woman has lost her son, 25 years old, gone I forever actually, now." I actually encourage everybody to call national media, national media, yeah. and the reason yeah. being is the local won't go against the police department. But if you get a CNN, a Fox News, whatever three-letter one you follow, Dateline, Nancy Grace, I don't care. But if you can get one, just one, to crack this case like CNN did with the untested rape kits and embarrass the police department, there will be a change in this case. That is the only way this will change because my governor is a rhino. He's a former law enforcement officer. He got to his office because Eric Greitens was pushed out by um, a George Soros prosecutor out of St. Louis. Eric Greitens needs to contact me because he's running for Roy Blunt's seat. Eric Greitens is an upstanding man. I respect that man. The only politician 
in my representation that has given one damn about me has been Josh Hawley. No one else from the governor to the current White House gives a damn. No one. Wow. Yeah. Uh, six five one. You want to say? I know you said final thoughts there. Six five one. You want to say something real quick? I just want to thank you, Joe, for giving Caleb a voice. Um, I think he needs to be heard, and, and his mom's doing a, a, an incredible job. But um, it, he think I just want to thank you for giving for giving Caleb a voice. Uh, you're Dead Man can't speak. I do you're have welcome. a website. And, yeah. I yes, do have please. a website. Any information you can give, please give, put it out there. It's justice the number four Caleb dot com, and on there are all of the numbers of my representatives, the police department, the prosecuting attorney's office, the governor's office, you name it, they're listed on that website. And they need to be inundated from all over this country because they need to know there are eyeballs watching. Because as long as it's just the people here, they don't care because the people here don't care. That's right. So, and again, real quick, the final solution. What I mean, after this is all said and done, I know when the show's over, you know, you still have the pain of your son. You know, he's gone, and you still have to fake, wake up tomorrow to this. You know, this nightmare Tony, that Tony you, Gasparoni, uh, Tony Gasparoni, yeah, Tony Gasparoni and John Stewart both need to be arrested for second degree murder, and they need to be charged, and they need to face a jury of their peers. Neither one of them need to be in law enforcement anymore. Period. Wow. Tony Gasparoni is not cut out for this. He needs a psychological examination. I believe he probably suffers, doesn't excuse him, from PTSD from his first officer-involved shooting in Maryland Heights, Missouri. He graduated from the academy in 2016. Caleb was his second officer-involved shooting. And if I am correct that he was involved in the one two months ago, that would be his third officer-involved shooting. We have a problem. This man doesn't deserve a badge. Period. And he needs to be off the street before he kills your child or your husband or your loved one. I could care right. less about civil case, but I care about justice. Amen. Well, I want you to look into. I want you to look into. Bad. I want you. I really want you to look into Title 18 USC um, Section 242. You know, and, and it's not that hard to read. I mean, I'll read the first few lines right here. Whoever under color of any law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or custom willfully subjects any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, possession, or district to the de uh, deprivation of any rights, privileges, or immunities secured or protected by the Constitution or laws of the United States shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than one year or both, and if bodily injury results from the acts committed in violation of the, this section, or if such acts include the use, attempted use, or threatened use of dangerous weapon, explosive, or fire shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. And if death results from the acts committed in violation of this section or if such acts include kidnapping or any attempt to kidnap, aggravated sexual abuse, or an attempt to commit aggravated sexual abuse or an attempt to kill, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned for any term of years for life or both or may be sentenced to death. That's Title yep. 18 U.S.C. 
Section 242, and there's a process you can file the complaint and use that, and I would take it right to your uh, U.S. Attorney's Office or uh, uh, their or federal prosecutor or magistrate and have them sign it, and if they refuse, you tell them right down why you refuse, you know, and, and or take it to a common law court or something. There's, uh, there's many different avenues out there that people just don't know about. A multi-jurisdictional court, floating district court, that has no, that, that doesn't answer to any of these people. They're out there. See, many people don't understand these processes or things that are out there. And, and me, myself, I'm not an expert in this either. But uh, and I'm not telling you to go stand there like some, you know, individual saying, you know, the, uh, use their own codes and statutes against them. You know, use mm-hmm. their processes against them because they've obviously made mistakes here in their own procedure, in their own directives. Use it against them. There has to be accountability. There's the old maxim of law, big fish eat little fish. The biggest fish up top doesn't want to lose his seat at the table if the little fish down below have made a very big mistake. So you've got to try to go up the ladder and, uh, and keep fighting. There is a Missouri statute that says if an officer escalates a situation, justification cannot be used in the case of excessive force. And this is a clear case of the officers, both of them, escalated a situation that didn't need to be. Therefore, justification is out the window, and the prosecuting attorney did not even follow his own state statutes. Yeah. Well, I'm going to wrap okay. it up here tonight. Um, uh, I want to thank you so much. And by all means, I mean, I'd like to do a follow-up show with you maybe in the future and see what, what results have happened. And, of course, we'll stay in touch um, you know, and see what has happened. And everybody call. I mean, go to bat. Give the name again of your son and you and, and uh, that information. Just give it one more time right here before the end, please. Sure. Caleb Slay, spelled S-L-A-Y. Um, my name is Tina Slay Richardson. I'm his mom. The website is Justice the number four, caleb.com. If you need to reach me, I have an email address on there. My email address is justiceforcalebslay at gmail.com. All of the pertinent information of the people here in the state of Missouri to call is located on that page with all of their numbers. Our local stations are color 10 and KY3, but I wouldn't count on them. Um, We did a campaign a little while ago to write to Dateline to Fox News, to CNN, um, haven't heard back from any of them, not one. I've had a lot of people that want to come in and help, and so far I haven't seen anything. So I need help because I can't carry it alone anymore. I just can't. So share the broadcast, share the website, and put it out there. Well, thank you so much for telling your story. That was, uh, you know, obviously a very strong person for doing that. I mean, I couldn't do it. I mean, I wouldn't be able to if my sons were or anything happened to my children. So, but uh, hey, uh, get out there and because uh, it could be you next. Everybody, thank you so much for uh, joining me tonight. I appreciate you listening and uh, supporting the podcast. Thank you. God bless the republic. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this, but every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war, only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then? 
When Nikita Khrushchev has told his people, he knows what our answer will be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of the Cold War and someday when the time comes to deliver the final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because by that time, we will have been weakened from within spiritually, morally, and economically. He believes this because from our side, he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price or better rev than death. Or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shotters around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Winston Churchill said the destiny of man is not measured by material compensations. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn they're spirits, not animals. And he said there's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness.